What's going on, everybody? This is Alex Robson, host of the Robson Sportscast. Now, before I turn you away to this weekly edition of the Robson Sportscast, I want to issue an apology. Sorry for a delay in the episode. It's been quite the busy week for me. Um, a lot of stuff going on at work, outside of work, all that kind of stuff. It's been busy, but I'm still getting y'all this week's edition of the Robson Sportscast on Championship Saturday in college football. Had the pleasure of having Rebecca come back, and she was part of episode 8. I'll explain all of that in the interview here in a few seconds. But just wanted to say, I apologize for the delay, and we are going to get you right into this edition of the Robson Sportscast. Now, without further ado, RC Productions, hit the beat. episode but an episode nonetheless welcome back to the robson sportscast i'm your host alex robson welcoming you to this special apparently turns out to be championship saturday edition of the robson sportscast we got a lot of great college football going on right now as i'm speaking and we got some great one later tonight so let's go ahead and shut the shut the chit chat Stop the chit-chat and get right into the action. Well, another crazy week of college football is in the books, and we're getting closer and closer to college football playoff time. This weekend, we got the college football conference championships, and I thought, who better to bring in than Rebecca? If you guys remember, episode 8 of the Robson Sportscast, which is actually still a top 3 episode of the most listened can't even talk. Most listened episodes of the Robson Sportscast. It was awesome to have Rebecca on. Glad to have her back. Rebecca, how you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me on again. Uh, no problem. No problem. Always a pleasure having you on. For those who don't know her, if you're newer listeners to the Robson Sportscast, I heavily recommend going back and listening to that eighth episode. I sound a little worse because I got a new microphone. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Rebecca killed it. We talked. It was more preseason stuff. We talked about our predictions and... I have to say, my predictions were a lot more wrong than hers, but um, that's just how it goes. I teach their own, I guess. Uh, I guess I'm a little more biased with my Florida fandom, but so it goes, so it goes. But anyway, let's jump right into it, Becca, and we'll start off with Florida. Um, of course, the big, probably the biggest news of this past weekend's college football action was number six, Florida, going down to LSU at senior night at home in the Swamp, 37-34, the final score. LSU was down to basically freshmen and sophomores, playing in the swamp, but they got it done. And with it, Florida's playoff chances, as much as it hurts me to say this, are almost certainly done for. Now, I don't know how much of the game you watched, you being in California, I know you're a big USC Trojan, and I don't know how much of the game you watched, but from what you know of the game and what you watched of the game, what in the world went wrong with Florida? You know, um, to be honest, I didn't watch a lot of the game because I was watching the USC-UCLA game here but I honestly did not expect that outcome um LSU has not been doing too well this year they were crowned the national champs back in January however this season does tell a different story they did lose 13 players to the 2020 
NFL draft, and they did lose their star quarterback in Joe Burrow, who is now with the Cincinnati Bengals. And um, I wish him a speedy recovery. I know he had an um, ACL injury a couple weeks back. Um, but coming into this ballgame, my pick was Florida. Um, I really like Kyle Trask. I think um, he's a great quarterback. He has great leadership abilities. Um, but Trask did have two interceptions, and he did fumble the football, which resulted the Tigers leading at the half. Um, towards the end of the game, I know that it was a tie game. However, disaster did strike um, towards the end when Florida corner Mar- Marco Wilson um, ended up throwing an LSU player's shoe, which ended <laughs> up um, in a penalty, which um, got the Tigers into field goal range. And that's how the Tigers ended up winning the ball game. But, um, you know, crazy things happen in, in college football. And, you know, with that whole shoe incident, I didn't really know what was going on because, like I mentioned, I wasn't really watching that game. So when I went on YouTube to watch it, you know, I was kind of starting to laugh because I have never seen anything like that happen before. So I think things like that players just really need to watch out for because that could really cost them a game. And I think that did cost Florida the game and they could potentially be a one loss team right now. So. Yeah, Marco Wilson, as a Gator fan, I have a I used a lot of French words when that happened. But um, if you don't know what French words are, curse words, basically. Uh, but um. Uh, um, can't talk good lord uh, <laughs> but um yeah Marco Wilson I don't know what was going through his head um he has been playing terrible all season long has been burnt in one-on-one coverage um zone coverage he's been just as bad he has not been as anything like he was a few years ago when he tore his ACL his sophomore season nothing even close to that and for him to finally make one decent play this year and then throw a shoe in reaction to it is just unbelievable, and as much as that really hurt Florida, of course, that gave up the game-winning field goal, what would turn out to be, this loss is on everybody on Florida, in my opinion. From, right. from Kyle Trask, who, in my opinion, we'll get your take on that here in a second, but I think his Heisman hopes died that night. I yeah. mean, three turnovers, two of them picks, one of them was a, a – he couldn't control the one where they dude literally – Tony tipped it off his hands, hit off an LSU defender's helmet while he was going out of bounds, and the guy caught it when his knees were in bounds. I was just like, there's nothing you could do about that one. But then he had the very costly fumble at the end of the first half that would end up giving LSU the lead, and he threw the pick early in the game. And then coaching-wise, Todd Grantham, yet again, the defensive coordinator for Florida, just can't put a full game together. Florida's defense was decent at points, but they let a true freshman, Max Johnson, go out there and throw for 239 yards and three touchdowns. A true freshman in the swamp, you let that happen? I just don't see how that's possible. And then Dan Mullen, he continues to be great, but just not really giving that edge where he just put the foot on the throat and go for the kill. He continues to be super conservative, trying to get a running game going, but that's not Florida's strength. The strength is the passing game. And like you mentioned, the three turnovers in the first half, that really killed Florida. Um, But I think we got to give credit to LSU. Like you mentioned, they lost so much to the draft. They, and Ed Orgeron really believed in his guys, and they went out there and win. A lot of people thought Ed Orgeron was on the hot seat a little bit. In your opinion, has this one win against Florida changed that drastically? Um, I mean, I think, I mean, I think it kind of helped them a little bit because they did win the, the number six team in, in the country. Um, but I think 
LSU just needs to start winning more ball games because, I mean, look, it's a drastic change from what happened last year to how they're playing this year. And a lot of that does have to do with the amount of players they did lose. And I believe they did lose their offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, if I'm not mistaken, who's with the Panthers right now. So, Yeah, it's just a a lot changed for Ed Orgeron. Um, So I would give him the benefit of the doubt for this season, but that's a signature win for LSU. They got the big win, knocking Florida's dreams of the college football playoff right out of the gate. But now let's go ahead and start looking ahead a little bit. This weekend, as I mentioned, conference championship weekend, one of the biggest weekends of the season. And one of the biggest questions is Ohio State. Ohio State, before the Big Ten Conference changed the rule, they were not eligible for the Big Ten championship game. Now that is a different story. They are in. They will play Northwestern. In your opinion, is Ohio State, who has barely played any games, truly worthy of a college football playoff spot? Um, Well, the season is obviously very different. College football was dealing with and is still currently dealing with uncharted territory due to COVID-19. Um, and each conference did start on different days. I believe the SEC started about a month before the Big Ten started play. So the SEC did obviously get to play more ball games. Um, however, as the season progressed, we have seen a lot of uh, cancellations and postponements. And Ohio State has um, canceled some games. You know, they canceled the um, big rivalry game last week against Michigan because of uh, problems with COVID with Michigan. Um, and, um, the, um, I believe Ohio state is an excellent program and they have elite athletes and I think they've been so successful over the years. So yes, Ohio state has not played a lot of football this year, but I think, I think they're just too, too dominant of a team and and too good of a team. Now, for some reason, if the Buckeyes lose to Northwestern this weekend, then I think we're going to be looking at a different story here. Yeah, we'll talk about that Northwestern-Ohio State game later. But for the first time, I think, in any of our conversations, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I don't think Ohio State deserves a playoff spot. And I know they can't help the cards they've been dealt with. Nobody can. I mean, COVID-19 is just such an unpredictable thing. And I'm not blaming it on that. What I am strictly saying is the teams Ohio State has played, again, not really their fault that the Big Ten is such a weak conference outside of them. But... Every team they have played has been very, very poor, except for Indiana, which is the game I really thought they could easily have lost. Justin Fields did not have a great game. He had a decent game, but not a great game. And I just think Ohio State, I know they're they're probably going to beat Northwestern, but again, we're jumping ahead of ourselves here. But there are so many teams in line that I think would be more deserving because of the games they have played. They've played more. In my opinion, they've played tougher teams. I just think one of those three teams that we'll probably talk about, we'll probably talk about a couple teams here here in a little bit, but I just think Ohio State doesn't deserve a spot. Okay, that sounds fair. All right, next up, we're going to talk about, in my opinion, the biggest conference championship game, Clemson-Notre Dame round two. There, It is all on the table on this one. Clemson gets Trevor Lawrence back and a few defenders that they missed in that first round against Notre Dame in South Bend. Notre Dame looking to prove themselves that they truly are an elite program and are ready to take on the top dogs in the college football playoff. This is a huge game for both squads. 
For Notre Dame, it's about proving it wasn't a fluke. For Clemson, it's about remaining the top dog in the ACC, where they have won five straight conference championships. Rebecca, who you got, the Tigers or the Fighting Irish? So, yes, this game is actually going to be very exciting. So, in round one, uh, like you mentioned, Notre Dame did take the W in double overtime. But in round two, Trevor Lawrence is back. Uh for those of you guys who don't know, Lawrence did not play in the first time around because he did have COVID-19. So thankfully he's healthy and he recovered from that. Um, so this time the Tigers do have their star player back. I'm going to have to go with Clemson on this one. I think they're hungry to get that win. And I think they're out for revenge. I a hundred percent agree. Um, the thing that really bothers me with that game against Notre Dame earlier is they played a true freshman quarterback. I'm not even going to try and pronounce his name. It's some Hawaiian, DJ something Hawaiian. I don't even know what in the world it is. But a true freshman went into South Bend and lit it up. Over 300 yards and three touchdowns. He looked great. It was the yeah. defense of Clemson that just didn't show up. Part of it due to injury and part of it just due to they just not look in sync that game. I think if Trevor Lawrence plays, that's a different story. And Trevor Lawrence is playing this time, and it's no knock against Notre Dame. They are a lot better than I thought they would be this year. But I just don't think Notre Dame has the firepower to stop Clemson and get enough points on the board with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback, so I'm going to take the Tigers as well. Next up, one I want to talk about is the one I mentioned earlier, Ohio State taking on Northwestern. Now, I think this game is going to be a lot more interesting than people think because this is only the second-ranked team Ohio State has played, and Northwestern is a very hungry football team. They could turn heads really quick in this game, in my opinion. Who are you going to take, the Buckeyes or Northwestern? Um, You know, I'm going to have to go with the Buckeyes on this one. I think they're just such an elite program. But, you know, I think Northwestern is doing really well this year. So, you know, they're going to, I mean, they're going to fight and they're going to do whatever they can to win the game. But I'm going to have to take the Buckeyes on this. Northwestern is that team with like the super jacked uh, strength coach, right? That looks like he's like on some sort of crack cocaine every time. Like he's just jumping around going nuts. Yeah. Like he had like 20 protein shakes before every game or something like that. Like this dude is just hyped up on caffeine or something like that. But I think Notre Dame is going to, um, not Notre Dame, Northwestern is going to come into this game very hungry. And I think they're going to give Notre Dame, again, Notre Dame, what am I keep saying Notre Dame for? Good Lord, I can't talk today. Um, I think they're going to give Ohio State a really good fight. But I just think, like you said, Ohio State's just got too much talent on that roster. Justin Fields, although he had one bad game against, North, against uh, Indiana, mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to happen this time. I think Ohio State gets the win there. Yeah, now, Ohio State hasn't played for a few weeks, I believe, so they just want to get back out there. Yeah, and that's definitely a thing, too. They're going to be much more well-rested, but that could also hurt them, too. They could come in a little lack- lackadaisical and get caught napping. So I think this one definitely has a, a red flag next to it. Watch this. This could be the upset of the year, but we have to wait and see. I don't think it's going to happen, but don't count out anything. Yep. All right, next up is a game that's close to my heart, but I'm probably not even going to watch it. Florida taking on Alabama. Alabama's run through every single team that's come in front of them. Mac Jones, in my opinion, is going to probably win the Heisman Trophy, even though Devontae Smith may be the most unstoppable football player in the country. And of course, we all know the great Nick Saban. He just does not lose big games like this. And then on the other side, Florida coming off that huge loss against LSU. Dan Mullen and get a lot of question marks from that entire football team. Can they slow down this offense? What is your opinion? Can the Gators 
shock the country against Alabama and Atlanta. You know, I know you're a huge uh, Florida Gators fan, but I'm going to have to go with Bama on this game, obviously. Uh, Look, I've been saying Bama is one of the most dominating teams in college football. Season after season, they just proved to the world that they are the most dominated but also disciplined team in the game. Um, I think Bama will beat Florida out and hand them their third loss of the season. But like, you know, we've bo- like we've both been saying, crazy things do happen in college football. And the Gators are just coming off a loss. So they could be out for revenge, and you never know. But I'm going to have to take Bama on this one. It's a pretty thought, Florida beating Alabama. But if this game is not over by the first quarter, I would be shocked. I just don't... From what I've seen with Florida's defense all year long, they can't stop anybody, especially in the run game. And Najee Harris is one of the best power running backs in the country. Not to mention Mac Jones throws one of the best deep balls and Devontae Smith is unbelievable. And also, I have heard rumors on the rumor reel that there is a slim possibility that we could also see Jalen Waddle return in this game. Which, if that happens, even though they'll probably bring him out slow, that dude is going to burn every single Florida player that is on him with his elite speed. I thought Florida was a lot closer to Alabama a couple weeks ago when they beat Georgia, but since then, that Florida team has taken a dive, and they have looked way far ahead to this game. I just don't think they're ready for this. I'm going to take Bama by multiple, multiple touchdowns. If they don't win by 28 or more, I'd be shocked, and I'd say Florida you got a you got a moral victory there, but I have to agree with you. I think Alabama's going to stroll through this one. Yeah. Now next up, now we're going to do a little talk a little college football playoff. We got the rankings coming up probably as we're recording this later today, but they'll be out by when this episode goes up here today on Wednesday. But there are of course some sleeper teams in this, and really the college football playoffs are really going to be shaken up in the end by how this conference championship weekend ends up. Three sleeper teams I think everybody knows about are Texas A&M, their one loss being to Alabama. Then, of course, you got the two undefeateds in Cincinnati and Coastal Carolina, a pair of underdog stories. Of those three, if we were to rank them from one to three, one having the best chance to make some noise in the college football playoff to three being an easy first-round exit, how would you rank those three teams? Um, I would probably put Texas A&M at number one. Um, probably, you know, I'm going to probably have to go with Cincinnati and then Coastal Carolina. I would agree. I think a lot of people are discrediting Texas A&M because of that one loss to Alabama. Since then, this team has been unstoppable. I mean, this team is so much better than I thought they were going to be. I think we both kind of looked at this team at the beginning, all those episodes ago, and we're like, they have the talent. But we just don't know. They've had the talent for a few years in a row now, but they could just never put it together. Primarily because Jimbo Fisher at the time had yet to get a signature win. He got that against Florida this year. Of course, Jimbo Fisher, Florida, former Florida State coach, gets a signature win over Florida. What else is new? Um, but he finally got that signature win, and this team's been rolling since. I think this is a lot better football team, so I think Texas A&M has the best chance to make a lot of noise in the college football playoff. I'm actually going to put Coastal Carolina down at two because Coastal Carolina has had to face a lot of adversity this year. I think they play, honestly, in a tougher conference than the Conference USA, which I have been very adamant about about that I am not a huge fan of that conference, primarily because of UCF being such an arrogant place, saying they 
claim the national champions after they beat nobody and then beat Auburn, a not very good Auburn football team in the Peach Bowl a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and I just think Cincinnati, they're a good football team, but if we're looking what the pollsters are thinking, I think they're going to be looking, they look a lot at the best story when it comes to this kind of stuff, the best looking team. And I think Coastal Carolina, where they came into the season unranked, they've gone through teams, they have beaten teams that a lot of people thought this is going to be the team that takes down these guys down to the notch that they deserve to be, which is kind of at the bottom of the at the haystack here. I think Coastal Carolina could be that underdog story, and I have to put Cincinnati right behind them. Okay, that sounds good. Now I want to talk a little bit more about Texas A&M. A lot of people are saying that they do not they do not have a chance at making the college football playoff. But I think there is a path for them to make it. Now, a lot of dominoes have to fall. And if the dominoes fall right, I think they will get in. Now, first, I think Ohio State has to either A, lose to Northwestern, or B, not look impressive against Northwestern. If that happens, you could argue Texas A&M slips in. And if that happens, now this is the big one that needs to happen. Florida needs to find a way to beat Alabama. Because Alabama, that puts them at a one-loss losing to a two-loss Florida team that Texas A&M beat. I think you can not You can be tough to make an arm because I don't think Florida's going to get in with two losses. They're not going to do that. A two-loss conference champion even. I don't think that's going to happen. The pollsters aren't going to do that. But a one-loss team that lost to the runner-ups in the SEC championship game, but they beat the champions of the SEC, I think that's a huge argument. If Ohio State struggles against Northwestern, what do you think about that path? Can you see... Texas A&M getting in? Um, I, I do. Um, if that happens, I, I don't know if that will happen. Um, you know, like I said, I think Ohio State will end up winning Northwestern and Alabama will end up beating uh, Florida. But these are just uh, predictions. But um, I don't know if uh, Texas A&M gets in, you know, if they'll get all the way to the national championship games because if you have uh, teams like Bama and Clemson I think those teams are just more dominant I would agree yeah and again a lot of dominoes have to fall teams have to look unimpressive and Florida has to beat Alabama they have to shock the country and that's just not I just don't think that's going to happen but again stranger things have happened in college football you actually posted something on your Instagram uh, on your story showing from Fox News that in the multiple meetings between Florida and Alabama, they're dead straight at four and four apiece, which is pretty remarkable. Those two teams being the standard bear in the SEC for so long. So anything can happen. This is a storied, a pair of storied um, programs. And I really think anything could happen in that game, but for Texas A&M, they have to be rooting for Florida definitely in the SEC championship game. Yeah. And I agree with you. I think the last time Florida won Bama was I think in 2008, I believe. Yep, Tim Tebow, his junior year when he led Florida to the national championship, I win over, I believe it was Oklahoma that year. But then, of course, everybody remembers what happened the year after. The Tide and the Gators met again, and then that was truly, in my opinion, the changing of the guard. That's when Tim Tebow left, and Nick Saban and the Tide took over the SEC from Urban Meyer and the Gators. Now, let's just talk college football playoff predictions. From 4-1, to one, who do you have playing for the college football national championship? Um, okay, so number four, I actually have Ohio State. Number three, I have um, Notre Dame. Number two, I have Clemson. And number one, I have Alabama. So I know people probably don't want to hear this, but I have Alabama and Clemson in the national championship game um, this season. And then I have Bama winning it all. 
All right, that's fair. That is fair. I definitely wouldn't mind seeing that. I love when those two teams meet. I mean, those are the those are the two most elite programs in college football today. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to see that aside from repetition. It's like the Patriots. Yeah. You don't want to keep seeing them win football games. Yeah. But you got to appreciate them while they are because it's just something legendary happening there, even though I'm a Jets fan and I despise the Patriots every fiber of my being. <laughs> well, but yeah, anyway. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Go ahead. A what? I just said, go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, some people that I've talked to, I think they're just tired of constantly seeing um, Alabama and, and Clemson. But, you know, like you said, I think it's really interesting matchup. And, you know, those are the two top teams in college football. So, Absolutely. I've gr- In my college football life, I've grown up with those two programs just slugging it out for national championships, and I loved every single second of it. So. Yeah. Now let's transition to mine. Number four, I have Texas A&M in at the playoffs, primarily because I just don't see how, unless it is completely biased by the pollsters, you can put in a Ohio State team that has played, what, five, six games? I understand they won all six, won all six and won their conference, but just the lack of play, and depending on how that Northwestern goes, the two teams they face that have been ranked, They've struggled and almost lost to it, depending on how that one goes. And last year, Ohio State ran through everybody, but then when they faced Clemson, they couldn't do anything. I mean, a team that almost almost averaged, what, 50 points a game last year scored 16 against Clemson. So I just don't see it. I believe if Ohio State does make it, there'll be a first-round exit with whoever they face, most likely Alabama, which I don't think anyone's stopping that offense, especially not Ohio State. Yeah, that game probably will end up being a disaster. So Yeah. And it seems to always be a thing that one in four teams always seem number one blowing them out or something like that. Every college football playoff has at least had one blowout. Yeah. Um. Now, I think number three will be in Notre Dame. I think they will lose to Clemson. Um. I think Notre Dame is a good football team, but I just don't see Notre Dame taking down Clemson when Clemson's at 100%. I think they kind of got lucky with how the cards fell in that first game in South Bend. I don't think they get lucky a second time. I got Notre Dame at number three. Number two, I got Clemson. I think they're the best football team in the country. And number one, I got undefeated Alabama. And much like you, I have Ohio, I have Alabama, Clemson playing for the national championship. But I have Clemson winning this football game. Here's why. I think Trevor Lawrence, he needs to win this football game because the one loss in his career as a starter was in the national championship game last year. Yeah. And I hope and pray he wins this game because I fear as a New York Jets fan that if he doesn't, he is going to say, I am staying one more year to try and win a second national championship. And then my more than likely 0-16 Jets are going to be stuck with Sam Darnold, who, sorry to you, you, you USC fans there, I'm not a huge fan of the guy. Never was, never will be. I do not want to be stuck with him anymore. I want Trevor Lawrence. So please, for the love of God, Clemson, beat Alabama, not only because I hate Alabama, but I love Trevor Lawrence so much, I want him to be the quarterback of the New York Jets. Just please let it happen one time. Yeah, and I actually saw um, over the weekend, um, you know, some people were actually putting USC in the top four. I don't know how they got in. Um, I don't think they will get in, but that was kind of weird to see that. Yeah, um, I understand you're a USC fan, but I think Florida would have a better chance than that yeah. because uh, just when you barely compete against UCLA, which is a terrible program with Chip Kelly at the helm, I'm sorry, but that just doesn't happen. 
even though I like USC and I think they will win the Pac-12 championship against Oregon, and I love Ken Slovis. I think when he goes to the NFL, he may be something special. Yeah. Um, but now this is kind of a late one. I didn't give you this question, but I just kind of want to see your opinion. College football playoffs have been going on for a few years now, this kind of format after we ditched the BCS rankings. Now, I don't know how long you've been watching all the college football playoff stuff. I haven't because primarily throughout Florida has been awful. Thanks, Jim McElwain. But anyway, when you look throughout the history of the college football playoffs, what is your all-time favorite moment from the college football playoff rankings? Oh, geez. Just Um, games in general. Like a game? Yeah, like maybe a favorite moment from the game or anything like that. Um, I mean, I haven't been watching it like for a lot of years. Um, but I would probably have to say, you know, like you've mentioned, probably one of the Alabama and Clemson games from, I believe it was a couple years back in 2008, was it 18 or 17? Yeah. So. Well, they played, they played in both of them, I think. I think just the roles were reversed. Um, okay. <laughs> one of them was number one, one of them number two, and then the year after they just flip-flopped. Like that's been primarily the whole history of the college football playoff rankings. But anyway. Yeah, yeah for the past few years, that's all I've been hearing. So Yeah, that's pretty much, I 100% agree with that. My favorite moment is hilarious it, because it just made me laugh when I watched it. A few years ago, when Jameis Winston was in his final year at Florida State, they were taking on the Oregon Ducks. Oregon ended up stomping them. But for those who haven't seen the video, it's when Jameis Winston was rolling out of the pocket and he slips on the turf, falls backwards, and fumbles the ball. Oregon returns it for a touchdown. I laughed my ass off. It was hilarious. It made me so happy. And that was kind of picturesque of the downfall of Florida State football. Which, as much as Florida struggled against LSU, I always remember we could have been Miami getting blown out by North Carolina, or we yeah. could just be Florida State in general the past few years. So, uh, I'll take I'll take it where I can get it. At least we're playing for a conference championship against Alabama. We have a chance to prove ourselves. So it goes, probably will not go our way, but uh, I'll be able to find a pillow and cry into it after it's all said and done. But well, anyway. Well, could happen. It's college football, so... That's true. Anything can happen any given day in college football. Can never take a team lightly. We saw what happened when you do when Florida lost to LSU this week. Well, Rebecca, it was an absolute pleasure having you back on. I look forward to having you back on soon when we officially have the college football playoffs set. We'll talk a lot about that, and I will see you next time. Thank you so much for having me. Not a problem. And all you listeners of the Robson Sportscast, stay on because we're moving on to our next topic. So if you couldn't tell, that little audio clip of me and Rebecca talking about college football championship weekend was recorded a few days ago. But uh, again, thanks, Rebecca, for coming on the show. Always a pleasure to have you. Now, although today is reserved for college football, I cannot wait for the championship games. The big ones, anyway. The AC and the SEC. I could care less about the rest. Uh, <laughs> I want to talk about a little NFL football. I wanted to talk about specifically the Philadelphia Eagles quarterback situation. Jalen Hurts got his first ever career win and his first career start against the New Orleans Saints, 24-21. 17 of 30 for 167 yards and a touchdown pass with a passer rating of 83.6. Not bad. Not great, but not bad. Also had 18 runs for 106 yards. Not bad. That's a good first start, and it gets a good team too. But I've already seen people off of one start blowing this situation completely out of proportion. 
saying that, oh, uh, Jalen Hurst should have been the starting quarterback all along. The hell he should have. People like to make narratives about the situation here. Pointing fingers on who's to blame. And the primary two that get the heat of it are Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz. I'm on the fence of it's Doug Peterson's fault. Not just Doug Peterson, really. When really, it's the entire freaking organization's fault. What have they done to help Carson Wentz? Keep around a old and aging and constantly getting hurt offensive line, which results in Carson Wentz being the most sacked quarterback in the NFL, and it's not even close. The fact that it just get that vibe from Doug Peterson that he has given up on Carson Wentz. The fact that the receiving core is even when healthy is subpar. Deshaun Jackson hasn't seen the field all year. I bet some people have even forgotten he was on the damn team. Alshon Jeffrey is washed. And Jalen Rager, this guy that was supposed to be some sort of rookie star, can't create separation worth a damn. Now, I will admit, Carson Wentz has had his issues. He has not been very accurate. He has been in duress and scrambled when he probably shouldn't have. He's made poor judgment calls. I understand that. I'm not completely negating that Carson Wentz has had a lot of issues this year. But you can't really help the situation around you. That's the organization. Carson Wentz is just an example of what ha- what happens there. Josh Rosen with the Arizona Cardinals had was a one and done with them. Because the Cardinals just gave up. After seeing one year of them, they said, no, we're better off just taking Kyler Murray, which has turned out to do well. But I still think Josh Rosen, if given a fair shot, would be decent. Ryan Tannehill in Miami started getting hurt, started playing mediocre, so they gave up on him. He led to the the Tennessee Titans to the AFC Championship game last year. Sam Darnold, who I don't think would have been good anyway, but that's a different stop. That's a different debate. Got Adam Gase and Todd Bowles. This is two head coaches so far in the NFL and has lost every decent receiver he's had, which is primarily Robbie Anderson. Situations matter. And Carson Wentz has been put in a situation where he simply just can't win. And that is all on the Philadelphia Eagles organization. This is what happens when you pay a quarterback big money and then refuse to build around him. Just contrary to popular belief, you can still do it. You spend big money on a quarterback 
kind of limits you in free agency, so you have to draft. Eagles have done a terrible job drafting. Patrick Mahomes. This is going to be the real test for the for the Kansas City Chiefs. Because with the money Patrick Mahomes is going to be making, you ain't going to keep everybody. Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, among others, you ain't keeping all of them. You're lucky to keep one of them. So you're going to have to draft and continue to put talent around Mahomes. Even though I think he's going to make a lot of receivers look really, really good. That's how you build around a quarterback, and the Eagles haven't done that. Not talking about Jalen Hurts. New Orleans Saints defense, which is ranked top 10, I believe, in pretty much everything, were just basically guessing. They had no idea what to expect from Jalen Hurts. No clue whatsoever. They looked lost. Because there's something that we don't have a lot on, on Jalen Hurts, that I think is very valuable, and that's game film. Jalen Hurts has played spot duty. He's come in a couple times, got his first real action against the Packers two weeks ago. But now, we got a full game's worth of stuff. This is where we get to see what the hell Jalen Hurts is made of. Going up against Arizona. Not only will they have film on Hurts, they got somebody a lot like Hurts. Who is a lot better at what Hurts does, and that's run, and that's Kyler Murray. MVP favorite, in my opinion. He's played that well. Let's see what you got. Because now, you got film for coaches to game plan for you on. What's going to happen if Jalen Hurts stinks up the joint against Arizona? Oh, it's just one bad game. But one bad game turns to two. To three. What are you going to do then? Because now you've put yourself in such deep manure, you don't know how you're going to get yourself out of it. Because now you've shown you have no faith in Carson Wentz because you benched him for Jalen Hurts. But Jalen Hurts wasn't all that impressive in the games he played in. What are you going to do then? See, this is the biggest issue, I think. When you got the quarterback figured out, everything else becomes more clear. The situation in L.A., the L.A. Chargers, Justin Herbert is going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. He's playing amazing. What he is doing with the L.A. Chargers should not look so easy as a rookie. Tua Tagovailoa, he's played good football, conservative football, nine touchdowns, one pick. But it hasn't been easy. You can see the game's still a little fast for him. Joe Burrow, he was looking good, but it wasn't coming easy. Patrick Mahomes didn't even play his rookie year. Justin Herbert has come in and lit it up. He's looked phenomenal. 
And that makes it more clear on what the issue is in LA, and that's the coach. That's Anthony Lynn. That should be taken care of by the end of the season. But now, in the Philadelphia in the Philadelphia situation, if Jalen Hurts doesn't play all that impressive these last few weeks, now you got finger pointing going on. Oh, oh, oh it's the quarterback's fault. Oh, oh, it's the head coach's fault. It's the offensive offensive coordinator's fault. Oh, the GM's incompetent. That same situation in Chicago with the Bears. Mitch Trubitsky, he can win you some games, but he's not that good. So now it's finger point. Oh, when Trubitsky is out of here and we get a new quarterback, and we'll be fine. You got some guys who are like, oh, no, it's Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy's the problem. Oh, or the GM's not good. We need, we need a new GM, or we need a new offensive coordinator. When that happens, you don't know what the hell to fix first. The Eagles, they don't know what the issue is. Is it Wentz? Is it is it the quarterback situation in general, not just Wentz? If this is if Hurts plays rough, because if Wentz play, I mean Hurts. If Hurts plays well these last few weeks, you can write Carson Wentz probably out of town somehow. I don't know how they're going to get that done with his contract, but they'll find a way. Is it the quarterback's fault? It, maybe Doug Peterson needs to go. Maybe we, we need a new offensive coordinator. Maybe that's the issue. Or maybe we just need to find a new GM to lead us to, in the right direction. It creates this murkiness. You don't know what is the what's the problem. When, when you have the quarterback figured out, or you're just awful, like say the Jags or the Jets, which everything's their problem. They're gonna need to think they're gonna need to blow up the joint. Which I believe the Jags and the Jets will both do. The Jets will hope most likely get Trevor Lawrence, and the Jags most likely get Justin Fields and a new head coach for both squads. You have an issue here. When you don't have the the main guy, the face of the franchise, the quarterback figured out, you don't know what the main issue is. And honestly, I don't know what the issue is with Philadelphia. Which problem needs to be fixed first? I don't know. I can sit here and defend Carson Wentz for the issues he's in all day long. But the facts remain, he has not played good football. So maybe you move off him, give Jalen Hurts the reins to the franchise. What happens if he doesn't play well? Is he the issue? Maybe it's Doug Peterson. You don't know when you don't have the quarterback figured out. And that's the issue that Philadelphia has driven itself in. It's crazy that a team that just won the freaking Super Bowl not that long ago has turned into such a mess this quickly. And this is what happens when you don't build around your quarterbacks. For as much as I don't like Sam Darnold, he has gotten screwed with what he's have to deal with at New York. 
as much as I don't think it'll happen, I'm rooting for the guy for when he is gone from New York next year. The Jets hopefully land Trevor Lawrence. It changes everything for him. He gets the right franchise. He turns it around and it becomes a decent quarterback. That's what I hope for. People think, oh, you just despise Sam Darnold. No, I don't despise Sam Darnold. I only dislike Sam Darnold because he's on my team. And I didn't like the guy coming out of college. That's why I don't like Sam Darnold. Situations matter, and Carson Wentz has been handed a crap situation. Take the Tennessee situation last season. Marcus Mariota wasn't getting it done. The Titans were struggling. So they throw in Ryan Tannehill, and the offense changes. The team looks good again. And then they make a run and get to the AFC Championship game and could have won it if they could have held off Mahomes. The situation wasn't right for Mariota, but it was perfect for Ryan Tannehill. Maybe that's what happened here. Maybe the situation just wasn't right for Wentz, but it's going to be fine for Jalen Hurts. But if it doesn't work out for both, what's the issue? Maybe you just need to draft a quarterback. I'm sure, and the, the Eagles will have kind of an earlier pick, so a guy like Zach Wilson will be available. Maybe even take a risk and get Kyle Trask out of Florida. Maybe Trey Lance out of North Dakota State. Or maybe it's the head coach. Maybe you got to find a new guy. Maybe try and get Urban Meyer out of retirement. Maybe get one of the hot names in college, like a, er, not er, maybe a, um, Lincoln Riley. That's his name. I forgot his name for a second. Maybe get a coordinator that is ready to be on head coach, like an Eric Bieniemy. You got to figure something out. Maybe it's the coordinator, get an offensive coordinator. Maybe it's the GM, find a new guy to make those big contract decisions. Something's got to change in Philadelphia quick. But I'm just saying, pump the brakes on the Jalen Hurts hype. Because if he starts to struggle... What are you going to say is the issue this time? Because before it was Wentz, but now Wentz is out of the picture. Now that they got some film on Hertz, what's going to happen if he starts to struggle? What the hell's the issue then? It's anyone's guess. Let's move on to our next topic. <laughs> It feels like just yesterday the NBA season wrapped up and we're already getting ready to start it up again. Here in a few days, the NBA season kicks off. And man, I cannot wait for it. So, to celebrate it, I was going to do really quickly. The teams I think are going to be sleeper teams heading into the season. And some teams I think are going to be disappointments. So let's just go ahead and kick it off right off the bat. 
a sleeper team right off the bat. It's going to sound kind of stupid that I say this, but I think the Golden State Warriors are a huge sleeper. I think the Golden State Warriors, they were plagued with injuries last year, and they're coming in already hurt with Klay Thompson out. Guy can't catch a break. Hope for a quick recovery there. But Golden State has a still has a lot of good pieces, and the virtue of last year for being so bad and being so injured, they got a lot of young guys coming in. They got Wiseman with the second overall pick. I think he's a center out of Memphis. I didn't follow a lot of college basketball last season. Um, except for Anthony Edwards, who of course was first overall pick. Um, but I think Golden State is going to be a good basketball team this year. I don't think they're championship material. I think they need to have Clay Thompson for that. But I still think the Golden State Warriors could make a run and get into the playoffs. Disappointment team, the Brooklyn Nets. This isn't going to work. Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are not going to work. These are not because of Kevin Durant. I think Kevin Durant's going to be fine because of Kyrie Irving. He is the diva. He's the Odell Beckham of the NBA. Just this diva that won't shut up. Talking all this trash about LeBron, how he feels so much better without LeBron and all that kind of stuff, when LeBron's the whole reason Kyrie Irving's a champion. But there's a reason Boston never, the Boston Celtics never got where they should have been with Kyrie Irving. It's because Kyrie Irving is such a toxic player. And I'm a strong believer as a basketball fan. And actually, I played basketball for a little bit. It's the only sport I ever actually played. I'm a huge believer in the team game. It doesn't take one guy to win championships. It takes a whole squad to come together and win championships. Proof's going to be in the pudding with the Brooklyn Nets. Still think they'll make the playoffs because the Eastern Conference is that bad. But... I don't. I just don't see it with the Nets. I just don't see it. Another disappointment. I think the Clippers are going to be a disappointment. A team I thought was going to be a championship team. With all this drama going on in this organization right now, and with the Lakers just winning a championship, continuing to make the Clippers be little brother in L.A., it's just going to boil over, I think. I just don't see this being good. I just don't. That's just how I feel about it. Another disappointment. I'm labeling more disappointments than than sleepers, but the Washington Wizards. Disappointment. Same situation. Love Bradley Beal. Not only is he a former Gator, he's one of the most electrifying guards in the game today. I just don't see Russell Westbrook and him meshing well. Because Russell Westbrook's a ball hog. I just don't see it. Sorry to say that, but I just don't. I don't think that's going to work. I really just don't think that meeting of the minds there is going to work. A sleeper team, and people are going to be laughing at me for this, but I think the New York Knicks are a sleeper team. They're still not going to make the playoffs because they are way too young for that. But this team is young, and if you've watched any of the preseason, which I wouldn't be surprised if you haven't, This young core gels well. Like, really well. There's something brewing in New York right now. R.J. Barrett looks more comfortable. 
They got Emmanuel quickly a with I think a second round pick out of Kentucky. He's looked unbelievable in the preseason. Mitchell Robinson's one of the best paint defenders in the NBA. Still think the odd man out is Julius Randle. I think the Knicks need to get rid of that ugly contract. By no means are the New York Knicks making the playoffs. That ain't happening. Let's be real. They're still a far ways away from that. But I think the New York Knicks have the potential to show their potential this season. The Milwaukee Bucks. I think they're properly rated. <laughs> they're a curveball at you. I think the Milwaukee Bucks are going to be great. Probably get the number one seed in the East, but come up short. Because of my sleeper team in the East, and that's the Miami Heat. Last year was not an illusion. Miami Heat are a good basketball team. And I think Miami is going to capitalize off the momentum from last year. They're going to get back out there. And I think they're going to win the Eastern Conference again. That's what I truly believe. Team I'm undecided on is the Philadelphia 76ers. I do not know what to think of them. I'm glad they didn't get James Harden. As of now, anyway. I like Doc Rivers. I just, this, the roster is so weird because Joel Embiid's a good player and Ben Simmons is a good player. But I can't name one lethal scorer on this team. Not one lethal score. And kind of the goal in, the, in basketball is to score more points than the other team. I don't see him doing that. So, but Philadelphia, we'll see. New Orleans Pelicans, another sleeper team. Zion Williams, for real people. I understand. I still think he needs to lose some weight, get a little thinner, maybe even bulk up a little bit. That's not really his issue, but if he could turn some of that chunk he got into muscle, good God, he may be unstoppable. But this team looked good when Zion Williamson was healthy. They looked good even before. I think Brandon Ingram's a great basketball player. I think this team itself is just built to win and surprise a lot of people. So I think the New Orleans Pelicans, not only do they have a bright future, but I think they have the real potential to be something special. The Houston Rockets, they're going to suck. There's so much drama around this team. I don't understand what the hell the Rockets were thinking with trading for John Wall, of all people. If you're going to make a trade, trade for Bradley Beal. James Harden and Bradley Beal, you're scoring 100 points just with them two. If they found a way to pull that off, but you trade for John Wall, who is basically Russell Westbrook, but injuries. An injury history. And James Harden looks like he's gained a few pounds, and he's already unhappy, so you're probably going to trade him. I think that team has a chance to blow up quick. Minnesota Timberwolves, I think, are sleepers. I like the core trio of Carl Anthony Towns, D'Angelo Russell, and Anthony Edwards. I think that is a really good trio to have, and I think there is a lot of potential there. Especially if Anthony Edwards hits the ground running, which I think he very well could. So, I like him. 
Dallas Mavericks. Believe it or not, they are my early favorite to win the West. So I'm putting them as sleepers because I don't think a lot of people think they're that good. But I do. Luka Doncic is amazing. If he continues what he's doing, I'm definitely going to say he's a top five player. I'm not going to say that yet, but I definitely think he's a top five player if he continues the pace he is on. Kristaps Porzingis is his perfect counterpart. And I think this team has the roster around it to make a run. So I think the Dallas Mavericks have a real shot at making the championship game. The Phoenix Suns, I actually think, are a little bit of a sleeper team. Now, I think a lot of people are saying, are discrediting the Chris Paul trade. But his entire career, what has Devin Booker lacked? A number two. DeAndre Ayton's solid, but he's been out for a good portion of his early career. Getting Chris Paul gives him a number two. Chris Paul is up there in age. I understand that. He's getting close to the end of his great career. But Devin Booker now has another guy he can rely on to actually do something on that team. Again, DeAndre Ayton is unproven, even though I really love DeAndre Ayton. But finally, Devin Booker does not have to be the guy. He doesn't have to score 70 points like he did a few years ago. And for this team to even compete. Watch out for the Suns. I really like them this coming year. I really, really, really like them. Another team I want to talk about is the Denver Nuggets. I'm not sure what they are. Made the Western Conference Finals last year, got beat by the LA Lakers. They're a good team, but they have uh, issues. They have some issues. Jamal Murray, as electrifying as he can be, when he's off, he is bad. Now, when he's on, he's unbelievable. Like, this dude could shoot from full court and probably make it when he's on fire. But when he has a cold day, he is ice cold. And Nikolai Jokic, as much as I like him, he's a really fun, hilarious guy and a really good basketball player. Outside of that, what does this team have? They're kind of a two-man show. Now, they're a deep team. They have a lot of good role players, but you got to have a consistent two scoring guys. And Jamal Murray is just not consistent enough for my liking. So, well, there you have it. There's some of my sleepers and, I guess, sleepers and dreamers, kind of. I don't know why I just now thought of that. Damn, that's actually a really good name for this. Sleepers and dreamers. Some teams that are overrated, some teams I think are underrated heading into the year. Now, let's go ahead and wrap this episode up. Once again, I apologize for the delay on this episode, but and I also want to say thank you again to Rebecca for coming back on the show and talking some college football with me. Now, I got some college football to watch. And I hope you all do too. Have a great championship Saturday. This is my man RC Productions with the Dope Beat. And this is your host, Alex Robson, signing off.